Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad that you are here. It's good to be together in God's house with God's people today, and we welcome everyone this morning. Well, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important uh, to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much part of God's family uh, with us today. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And uh, we have several announcements I'd like to uh, bring to your attention. And the first one is that I promise you this is the last time I'm going to mention Sureway uh, for another year. We had a, a, a successful Sureway weekend uh, this weekend uh, ser- serving barbecue. And I think Mike would like to say something as the leader of our missions and ministry team, uh, our illustrious leader here. And I just wanted to say uh, to the church a very big thank you for your support for uh, the mission team and the Sureway fundraiser. Uh, I don't, we don't have all the figures just yet, but uh, by our sales, it was a big success. Uh, the pre-sales is the backbone of our fundraiser, and uh, you did a great job in, uh, in the pre-sales. So to all who sold tickets, who bought tickets, and for all those who came down to Sureway to, to work uh, the barbecue, a big thank you, uh, very much thanks. It's it's appreciated, and uh, and while I'm here, uh, uh, the Highway 60 yard sale coming up uh, in about a month. Uh, if you have anything other than clothes that uh, you want to get rid of, want to sell, we bring it to the church and we'll we'll sell it out here on Highway 60 at the rummage sale. Again, thank you very much. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was a very big success. We were busy, busy all weekend and uh, and really appreciate it. I'm not sure what the final figures are. We haven't gotten the bill for our meat and everything yet. Um, however, I think the, the best I can tell, just for walk-ups over the two days, we uh, raised, we grossed probably around $2,000 from walk-ups plus the pre-sales on top of that. And we haven't gotten our bill back from the meet yet, so it's going to be a good weekend. It's going to help our mission projects. And, of course, all of this money goes towards our mission projects so that we can help to serve our community and our world around us. So thank you so much for that. And as Mike mentioned, we have the uh, yard sale coming up, so please help us out with that as well. Another uh, announcement that's coming up on um, September 22nd couple of weeks away, we're going to be having a church picnic. Uh, we do this about once a year, uh, usually in September, and this year is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we've had it at different places. We've had it out at the Audubon Park. We've had it out here at our shelter building since we've built that a few years ago. Uh, this year, we're going to venture out a little bit, and we're joining forces. We are going to be uh, having a picnic along with the Presbyterian Church. Of course, the Presbyterian Church are colleagues here in town, and we do a lot of things together, and they're uh, good brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we thought, let's have a little time of fellowship together uh, uh, with a picnic. So on September the 22nd, uh, right after church, about 1230, and I promise you I won't preach until 1230, but it takes a while to get out there, we're going to go to the brain injury camp. Um, and uh, have our picnic out there. Now, some folks were out there yesterday, weren't they? Yeah, can I say something about that? Sure, go we're ahead. We're planning on taking both the church 
uh, vans on that day, so we have room for about 16 people. So if someone doesn't want to drive out, please let the office know so we can have a head count. Uh, if not, maybe some other people can you can ride with somebody. But it's out in Roberts, Kentucky, at the Four Star Industrial Park. You will go down 41 South, uh, just as you you'll see Tyson on your left, the plant. You you'll see it and smell it. But when you get past that, there's a a concrete walls entrance that says Four Star Industrial Park. You'll turn right, follow it to the end of the road. You'll see Columbia Warehouse, which is a huge warehouse, about four times bigger than this church. There's a gravel road just past that. You'll turn up it and the top of the hill. If you've not been out there, it's a great opportunity for you to come out and see it. We have 42 acres. We have a lake. We can fish. We can do uh, cornhole. We have uh, a zip line. We have ropes courses. we got almost two miles of trail, and it's nice. We've got the pavilion, so make plans to come and support, you know, this picnic, and uh, the Presbyterian Church is one of the backers of the camp, too, just like we are, and so uh, John Guthrie, the pastor there, we kind of came up with an idea on one of our board meetings. Why don't we do a joint picnic? We thought it would be fun, so please mark your calendar. That's uh, the 22nd of this month, and we're actually going to just leave right after church and try to eat around 1230 to one, ask you to bring some side dishes. The meat will be furnished and stuff. So if you have any questions about it, you can see me or anyone else that's uh, involved. Thank you, Mark. Uh, like we said, you can ride the van if you'd like to ride the van, or we can have a convoy out there if you want to follow some folks. It's not really that hard to, to find once you know where it is. So, uh, so please plan on joining us uh, the 22nd right after church. A uh, couple of other things, a couple of changes in the announcements that you'll find in your bulletin. Uh, first of all, uh, the deacons meeting has been postponed, uh, so we will not be meeting today. And we will let you know when the meet. We will have a meeting during September sometime, but uh, don't, exa- don't exactly know which uh, day that will be. But we'll let our deacons know when that will be uh, as soon as we have a, a date on that. And also... Our joy lunch is, is planned for Tuesday. We're not going to be having our joy lunch for, for September. As many of you know, our illustrious leader of our joy lunch group is in the hospital. Uh, Pam Gardner is in the hospital and, and is very sick. She had surgery a few days ago. And, um, and I, I want to bring you an update uh, on Pam as well. Pam uh, overnight has developed pneumonia. Uh, she is in ICU on a respirator right now. Uh, I was there early this morning, and uh, the doctor came in and gave a report, and he was very encouraging. He was very encouraging. He said that she's not as bad as she looks, uh, but what they have done is they have induced a coma for her to allow her to, to heal, and uh, they are breathing for her, and they're going to pull her up out of the coma and then put her back in and pull her up and put her back in so that she can slowly get her, her strength back. So. Uh, She is very much in need of our prayers. Uh, I don't think we need to be too worried, but uh, we do need to keep her in our prayers and our concerns um, and uh, and lift up her and Mildred and Kay and all the friends that are helping there. She's very blessed because she's got some great friends that are helping in this situation. Uh, Pat Denton and Phyllis uh, um, Becker. Yes, thank you. One of those senior moments. but they have great friends that are, that are helping out in this situation. Uh, one thing, though, I know that you are very concerned, and, and they appreciate your concerns greatly, and they're getting a lot of telephone calls. Please don't call. Uh, 
they're, they're exhausted and they need a little rest. And what we're going to do is they're going to call in here um, uh, with a report every, every morning. And so if you would like a report on Pam's progress, call the church and we'll give you a, re- a report to the church. I know Kay is just exhausted. She, she needs as much rest as she can get. And so she can't get up and down answering the phone every five minutes. So, uh, so call the church and we'll give you an update on, on Pam. Thank you for that. Uh, one other thing, Upward begins tomorrow, Upward practice. Our cheerleaders will be practicing tomorrow and our basketball players on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, we, need, we could use you here just to greet people and uh, just be a face for Community Baptist Church as we begin this important program. I am so thankful for all of you. Uh, you know, we go through these lists of things, and we do this week after week, and I think, man, these people are busy. <laughs> and we are busy, and I am just so thankful for all that you do uh, for the sake of God and for the sake of this church uh, because we could not do it without each of you. So thank you for that. Everybody take your hand and put it on your back and pat, okay? And then stand up and extend your hand and greet somebody in the name of the Lord. <laughs> Good morning, Gil. Let's remain standing and sing hymn number 56. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Yeah. 
Please join me in our responsive reading for today, titled Power. Almighty and loving God, you created the ocean depths. You made the mountains rise. You spangled the sky with stars. We praise your majestic power revealed in all creation. When the earth trembles and our hearts shake with fear, we look for a steady place to stand. That's when we yearn for your gentle power to come to us in ways that speak comfort and peace to our very human hearts. In the midst of all that changes, we look for a love that endures. So God, pour your holy power on each one here in ways that reveal your quiet strength, your hopeful presence, your faithful love. Amen. reading for today is from Luke 14, chapter 25 through 33. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and mm, desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So saith the Lord. Come on down, children. See Mr. John down here. Come on, John. John, it's your turn. Just like my wife tell me when I'm ready to go and what to do and how to do it. She's always telling you what to do. And I'm grateful for that. Don't don't think that I didn't mean it that way. I love you, honey. Oh, by the way, I'm sure you all probably noticed that the uh, smoker underneath the uh, pavilion is missing. I, I see the concern on everyone's eyes. I just want to let you know it's in good hands. Uh, over at Modern Welding, uh, they're doing a little bit of repair work to it. I asked him for the bill, and he said, what? And I said, the bill. And he goes, what? And I was like, oh, okay, I got you. So he's doing it for nothing. That's what you call goodwill, okay? 
That's what that, that's so neat. Anyway, I'm going to sit down here on the floor with you guys. Is that okay? This is a piece of wood. It's a neat piece of wood, isn't it? Okay. Well, it's a special piece of wood. You want to know why? Okay. This piece of wood is an idea. It's an idea. Exactly. Like making a house, or you can, yes. And they got a board. Yeah, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, they have this, this, they have this one guy that carries a board, and it's, it's kind of like a doll. And this could be a doll. This could be, a, it could be a house. It could be your friend. It can be anything that you want. Yeah, really. Think about it. Now, see, if I carve this out, I could probably make a really cool stick figure or something like that. Well, here, case in point, trust me, we look to our elders for advice. Is that correct? And we learn something. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And guess what? One of our own in our congregation, Vince Davis, raise your hand, Vince. No, look back here. Look at Vince. Wave. Wave. Guess what? Mr. Vince, you know what he did? He took that board and he cut it down and he made this. Isn't it pretty? Yeah. It's like, it's like magic, isn't it? And I think the piece of wood that he used was right there. So this piece of wood can be made into what? Exactly. A cookie jar, or you can put candy in it. Or just think, you know what? Your minds are just like this bowl. You can put your ideas in this bowl. Okay? Yeah. Think about it. If he can come up with a piece of wood like that and come up with this, what can you all do? That's kind of like when you look to your advice for your, to your uh, elders. They're going to try to give you really good ideas. And guess what? That's where they go ahead and put their knowledge in you, just like this bowl. Isn't that cool? You want to see what my idea was? Kelsey, Jake. Jake, come here. They can't see you. This is, this is kind of like the best thing that I can leave behind. And that's what Dr. Tim's going to talk to you about, is legacy. Vince's legacy is leaving behind bowls, which I know is, you leave a lot more behind than that. My legacy, okay, are my children. And guess what? We're all legacy. Isn't that neat? And legacy is, okay, how should I put it? Uh, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like family. Very good. And what you do, you, you try to leave something behind for everyone to enjoy. Well, my children, I hope you enjoy them. I hope you enjoy this whole congregation. Okay? So I tell you what, why don't you bow your heads with me? Say a prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, please give us the wisdom 
to give our wisdom to our children. We love them very dearly. And as children of you, God, we just ask for your blessings upon this church and our minister and definitely my wife and I as we take this journey through life. And we love you very much, Jesus. And in God's name, we say, Amen. Awesome. You follow Miss Mary, okay? Father God, we come before you with our hearts, with our minds, with all that we have. And we claim what you promised in Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Amen.
I heard about um, a guy named Bob who was a single young man living with his father. And Bob worked in the family business, which was a very successful business. Well, when it became evident that his father would not live a whole lot longer and that he would soon inherit quite a fortune, Bob decided to find a wife, someone with whom he could share his soon-to-be abundant wealth. And so one evening at an investment meeting, Bob spotted the most beautiful woman he had ever laid eyes on. Her natural beauty took his breath away. And so he walked up to this woman and said to her, I may look like an ordinary guy right now, but in just a few short years, my father will die and I will inherit $200 million. And so the woman asked for his business card and he gave it to her. And three days later, this beautiful woman with whom Bob was smitten became his stepmother. (laughs) Now, there's a woman with a plan for success. And you know something? Everyone needs a plan for life in today's changing world, though marrying a rich widower may not be for everyone. But the world is changing, and we need to be prepared for that. Dan Miller, in his book titled No More Dreaded Mondays, tells about many of the changes that are taking place in America's workplace today. And he lists a lot of the jobs that are being lost because of technology or as the result of foreign competition, and you already know this, but but still it's jarring when we are confronted with the reality of it all. For example, did you realize that as you pick up your cash at the local ATM machine, that those convenient devices are doing the work of 179,000 former bank tellers? Sure, it makes our life a lot easier, but those are nice people losing their jobs. And even with the continuing problems of the U.S. Postal Service, did you know that site recognition machines have replaced 47,000 postal workers? That's startling, but it's a phenomenon that's that's faced by more and more workers today. And as for for foreign competition, did you realize that many uh, apparel workers and financial analysts have been coerced into training their own foreign counterparts who will work for a fraction of what most Americans would expect today? So you see, the world's changing. And there's nothing we can do to to stop it. I mean, it's just going to happen. The world is changing. And none of us can count on a lifetime security from any job anymore. So we better be prepared. Experts tell us that someone between the ages of 18 and 44 will have an average of 10.8 different jobs over his or her lifetime. And a lot of people who have lost their jobs, maybe a well-paying job, if they're lucky enough to find another job, a lot of people have to settle for jobs that pay less than they were making before. Some counselors are telling us that today's workers, particularly Younger workers need to think like an entrepreneur. We need to take responsibility for our own careers and not leave it up to our employers. Now, making a living 
has always required diligence. And Jesus certainly knew what it took to succeed in the world. We forget that most of his life he was probably a carpenter, and there are some scholars who believe that he was probably quite successful at his work. But we can see a bit of of Jesus' business acumen in today's story from the Gospel of Luke. It seems that a lot of people were beginning to follow him. He was creating quite quite the stir, and people were crowding around and wanting to follow him, wanting to become one of his disciples. But this raised the question, did they really know what they were getting into? And so he raised that question as all these people were thronging around him. You know, unbridled enthusiasm has its place, but it has to be tempered with reality. And so Jesus uses this analogy. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Shouldn't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will make fun of you. And then he moved on to another analogy. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Shouldn't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 soldiers to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, then he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. And then he said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, everything you have, You cannot be my disciple. Wow. Now, Jesus was stating a solid spiritual principle here in very practical, recognizable terms. You see, people fail in business. People fail in life. And a lot of times the reasons are exactly the same. They fail to plan. They fail to plan. One guy said, I started out on the theory that the world had an opening for me, and I was right. Now I'm in a hole. (laughs) And we know what he's talking about, don't we? You see, if if someone doesn't take the time to, to sit down and count the costs, whether building a tower or conducting a battle or building a life, that person can find himself or herself in a deep hole. And so here it is, folks. Successful living begins with a plan. You know, it's amazing to me how many people fail to plan. That old saying really is true, that people who fail to plan, plan to fail. I was reading about an Englishman named Lionel, Lionel, Bur- excuse me, Lionel Burley uh, back in the 1960s. He decided that he was not very happy with the depth of reporting in British newspapers, and so he decided to do something about it. He decided to publish his own newspaper, and he called it the the Commonwealth Sentinel. So he worked and he worked and he worked for weeks on end writing articles and promoting the newspaper on billboards and, and other, other avenues of advertisement. He was, he was selling advertisement to go into the newspaper, and then finally had it all together, and he printed up 50,000 copies. He was determined to make this first edition a huge success. 
And then on February the 6th, 1965, after the newspaper had left the printers and exhausted Lionel Burley was resting in his hotel room when he was interrupted by a call from the London police. Do you have anything to do with the Commonwealth Sentinel, they asked. And Lionel said, yes, he did. He was the, the publisher and editor, and the officer said, well, there are 50,000 copies of this newspaper outside the entrance to the Brown Hotel, and they're blocking traffic. They're blocking the street. You see, with the hundreds of details to attend to when publishing a newspaper, Burley had overlooked one critical detail. He never got a distributor. Nobody was out there delivering his paper. And they were all sitting in the middle of the street blocking traffic. The Commonwealth Sentinel folded the next day. And that was the end of it. Now, I'm sure that Lionel Burley was a fine man. And he may have been, even been a smart man in many ways. But his plan was not completely thought out. Like a man who ran out of money building a tower or a, a king who brought too few soldiers into a battle, Lionel simply didn't take all the necessary contingencies into consideration. So, how much time do you spend planning for the future? Some people spend more time planning for a vacation than they do planning for life. And the fact is that we are so busy with so many things in our lives that we may not even think about all the things that, that really and truly matter. So I want to ask you something that all of us must answer at some time in our lives. And here it is. What kind of legacy do you hope to leave to those you love and to the world? Folks, I've got news to, for you. And this may come as a surprise to some of you, but here it is. One of these days, you will be leaving this earth. Anybody here is going to live forever on this earth? Not a single one of us. One of these days, you will be leaving this earth. And so the question is, how will people remember you? In what ways will the world be a better place because you've been here? Stephen Covey, in his book titled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, suggested that we always begin with the end in mind. And, and we've talked about this before. But here's the question. If you were to die tomorrow, what would you leave behind? Which of your values would you want to pass on to your children? Are you living out those values right now or when you get to the end of your life, will you do so with a lot of regrets? What will your friends say about you or your family? What, will you have the resources you need to meet the challenges of your final years? And I'm not only talking about your financial resources, but your emotional resources, your relational resources, your spiritual resources. Those are some big questions, but they all need to be answered if we are going to have anything close to a successful life. Author and business guru Peter Drucker says that his life was shaped by a teacher who once asked this question, what do you want to be remembered for? 
Now, Drucker was only 13 years old when that teacher asked that question, and he had no idea. He didn't know how to answer that question. And the teacher went on to say, I didn't really expect you to be able to respond to that question, but if you still can't answer that question by the time you turn 50, then you have wasted your life. And folks, that's a wise teacher. Phil Muncie, in his book titled Legacy Now, notes that there are 78 million baby boomers in America today. One of us turns 60 every six seconds. The youngest are quickly moving into their 50s. And and this has created a huge interest among people in that age group in what he calls a midlife evaluation. You see, baby boomers are feeling that it's time to make a change in our lives. And Muncie says that, that this evaluation is bringing a transition from me to we, from take to give. And I think that's a pretty healthy transition. This is when people become aware of the need to live beyond themselves and to begin the difficult task of of leading a meaningful life. And, of course, that's exactly what Jesus is pulling for with all of his followers, whether they are baby boomers or busters or the greatest generation or, the, or Generation X or whatever age group you may fall into. Jesus wants all of us to begin that process of leading a meaningful life and not only focusing on ourselves but on others as well. So what kind of legacy do you hope to leave to those who you love and to the world. Back in 1962, Claire Booth Luce, one of the first women to serve in Congress and, and was an ambassador and a great leader in, in many ways, she offered some advice to President John F. Kennedy in 1962. She said, a great man is a sentence. He said Abraham Lincoln's sentence was he preserved the Union and freed the slaves. Franklin Roosevelt's sentence was he lifted us out of a Great Depression and helped us win a world war. It seems that Luce was afraid that Kennedy's attention was so splintered among different priorities that his sentence was in risk of becoming a muddled paragraph. I think she was trying to get him to focus a little more on fewer things than everything. So as you contemplate your purpose and your plan for life, maybe it would be a good idea to begin with the big question. What is your sentence? What is your sentence, that one sentence that can encapsulate who you are? Former football great Bubba Smith came face-to-face with his sentence years ago, and he didn't like it. You remember remember Bubba Smith? Uh, He first came into prominence at Michigan State University as an All-American defensive end. He played nine years in the pros. He was named to two Pro Bowls and was a first-team All-Pro in 1971. And then after football, you probably, if you don't remember his football career, you probably remember his career in the commercials. 
He was recruited to appear in TV commercials for Miller Lite beer. And he and Dick Butkus were, were cast, and they, they were all funny. He would, they were cast as inept golfers or, or polo players in these commercials. And, and one of the most memorable ads, Smith recited the virtues of the beer, saying, I also love these easy opening cans. And then he tore the top of the can off, the whole top. But Bubba walked away from all that because he didn't like the effect that drinking had on young people. And he realized that he was contributing to a major social problem. In a magazine article, Bubba said that he never really drank that much any time in his life. And, 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 but he advertised for light beer, and he, he felt good about his job. It was an easy job. It was an enjoyable job. It had a good salary from it. But then one day he went back to Michigan State to serve as the Grand Marshal of the homecoming parade there. And as he was riding in the convertible at the head of the parade, he heard throngs of people on both sides of the street shouting. One side shouted, taste great. And the other side shouted, less filling. Taste great. Less filling. And, of course, that was the slogan for Miller Lite that they used for their product. And that's when Bubba realized the impact that his beer commercials were having on the students at Michigan State and probably all over, the, all over America. Later, he was in Fort Lauderdale during spring break. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> then he really saw the impact that his commercials were having. He saw drunken college students all up and down the beaches shouting, Tastes great. Less filling. Tastes great. Less filling. And he realized how strong those commercials, how much of an impact they were having on the lives of these teenagers. And when it came time to renew his contract, he refused to sign because he said that he didn't want his life to count just for that. Bubba Smith didn't want the sentence of his life to be, taste great, less filling. And so he walked away. He wanted something more. So what sentence will summarize your life? He was a good father. She keeps a beautiful home. He has a bad temper. She wore cute clothes. How about if that sentence was, he or she was a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ? That's a pretty good sentence, isn't it? That's a good sentence to wrap up our lives. Jesus was addressing people who were thinking about becoming disciples. But he wanted them to really understand what was involved. Because, folks... He didn't need any half-hearted saints. He had enough of those. What he needed were people who would be willing to leave everything that they considered important, if need be, in order to follow him. Now, that's a pretty high standard, isn't it? But it's a standard that Jesus calls us to. Years ago, there was a remarkable village in France called La Chambon. 
And what made this village so remarkable is that the residents there, as a community, they voted to do this as a community. They risked their lives to protect Jews during World War II. In later years, documentaries were made about them and a wonderful book titled Lest Innocent Blood Be Shed was written about them. But the villagers tended to be irritated by questions that made their risk seem to be noble or praiseworthy. What else do you do? They responded. You do what needs to be done. You know, that would be a good one-sentence legacy, wouldn't it? They did what needed to be done. I want to finish with a story that I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with. Tom Burnett was a passenger on United Flight 93, which went down in Pennsylvania on September the 11th, 2001. Tom called his wife from the plane when he found out that two other planes had crashed into the World Trade Center, and now his plane had been hijacked. And he told his wife, I know we're going to die. But some of us are going to do something about it. And because they did, many other lives were saved. Now that statement, I know we're going to die, is really an unremarkable statement because, folks, every one of us is going to die. But those other words, some of us are going to do something about it, that is an inspiring one-sentence legacy. So what will your legacy be? What one sentence would you want to define your life? Are you living that legacy right now? If not, then maybe the time has come to make your plan with God's help and then live your life accordingly. Amen. We're going to sing our closing hymn, number 307, Just As I Am. And this is our challenge for all of us here today, that we would give some thought as to what it means to truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because, folks, it is a commitment that we make. It is something that we, uh, that God has called us to do not only to believe and to enjoy by coming to church and fellowshipping with like-minded people, but to live our lives out there according to the precepts of of being a disciple of, of Christ. It's that kind of commitment that God calls us to, and that's the challenge that I want to leave you with today as we sing number 307, Just As I Am.
You have set before us a choice to make. You have set before us the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Teach us, O God, to choose your way, as difficult as that may be. Teach us to love you more than life itself, to live all our days in righteousness and peace, and to walk in the path that you have laid out before us. Teach us, O God, to truly be your disciples, following as you lead. Amen.